to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us over on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook facebook.com slash radio detectives i do want to encourage you to check out our other podcast in particular uh, check out the amazing world of radio at amazing.greatdetectives.net over there we're doing our summer of summer replacement series with uh, each week featuring an episode of uh, a radio series that just aired during the summer This week, we have an episode of The Adventures of Topper, and you can check all of these out over at amazing.greatdetectives.net. And we also have links to all of our different uh, series, including Public Domain Video Theater and otrsuperman.com. But now, it is time for this week's episode of The Fat Man, the original air date, August the 11th, 1955. And the title is Murder is Foretold. There he goes into that drug store. He's stepping on the stairs. Weight 239 pounds. Fortune, danger. Who is it? The Fat Man. Oh, yes. Ah, 
Uh, you, you got a drink here, maybe? Huh? No. Sorry. I wasn't expecting company. Well, what's the gimmick? Who's after you and why? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. All she said was that I'd get it by 11. Did that? I'd get it by 11. Sure. If I can hold out for two hours more. All who said? Marta. Marta, she, she, she's a, a fortune teller, a gypsy. She reads the cards and she reads the bond. She said, I'd crack by 11 p.m. I'd crack by 11 p.m. And, 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 and them fortune tellers are all the right. How old are you, Giles? Me? Yeah, I'm 46. Do you still believe in Santa Claus? You kidding? When a guy your age goes in for farm he needs a psycho, not a private detective. Uh, they've been right with me before. Anyway, you've got no kick. You're getting paid, ain't you? Well, did you do your time, Giles? And Quentin? Hmm? Hey, what do you make it easy? You've got the server written all over you. They don't get your color in Miami or Palm Beach. And that's an ex-con quit, if I ever saw one. Okay, okay. Leavenworth. Ten years. What for? Larceny. Why don't you get out? Three days ago. On parole? No parole. I'm free. I can go wherever I like, see? I can leave the country if I want to. I've done my time, and, and I'm going straight. I don't carry no more rods, and, and, and I don't blow no more states. All I'm going to do is just to be left alone. Oh, yeah? It's beginning to come back to me. What? Rusty Giles, alias the mystic. A payroll robbery with a couple of hundred grand is the take. Hey, you got a good memory, that man. You're the guy who used to plan his jobs according to the stars. You wouldn't move unless you got no case in the gypsy. Yeah, yeah, but, well, I'm through with all that to help me. Hey, I, I done time twice, Miss Stern, and I ain't setting myself up for another rap. You don't need a farm reader to tell you that makes sense, Charles. Hey, uh, where's your phone, fat man? Right behind you. Who are you calling? Yeah, the, the only one in town I can trust. I've been hiding there until I can complete a, a little unfinished business. Hello? Oh, Annie? Rusty, where are you? You all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay, baby. So far. Uh, I'm with Brad Runyon, the fat man. Hey, do you hear anything? No, 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 nothing. You been home all evening? Yes. Hey, Rusty, I'm scared. I'm worried about you, honey. Ah, that's okay. The fat man's got a rod. He knows how to use it. Uh, I'll call you again after I leave. A little after 11. Are you, you sure you don't want me to pick you up? No, 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 no. You, you stay where you are. Let me handle this. Oh, okay. Well, let's take care of yourself, honey. Yeah, yeah, I'll be all right. See you later. A girlfriend? Yeah. Anybody else know you're here? I got a feeling about half of New York knows it. I've been trailed all afternoon. I, I blew the town around four and went straight to martyr the fortune teller, the, the way I always used to. Well, well... Then she told me. That you'd be a dead station by 11 tonight. Yeah, yeah. Listen, let's let, let stop the gap. I, I don't want to do any more talking. I, I just want to sit here with you until 11 and, and then blow. That's the deal, isn't it? Yeah, that's the deal. But you have to time yourself. My watch went on the blink this afternoon. No, it's okay. I got a watch. Yeah, 
It's 9.30 now. We've got an hour and a half to go. For the next hour and a half, he just sat there and hardly said a word. He kept chain-smoking my cigarettes until I ran out. And then he started nipping at his fingernails. Once we heard someone walking slowly up the steps. And he stiffened out like a gun dog at point. I put my hand over my gun holster that the steps passed us by and kept climbing to one of the upper floors. Finally, he looked at his watch for the hundredth time. Hey, it's eleven bells, that man. Is the party over? Ah, yeah, yeah. Ah, I'm all right now. I can go. You can hang around for another hour if you like. I'll give you a cut rate, fifty bucks. Hey, that ain't so funny. My gags grow on you. Look, there's a hack stand at the end of the block if you're looking for cash. Ah, I got my car in front of the door. So long, fat man. And thanks. Thank you. Yes, I'd better do a little checking, I think. I'd better see if my friend is really on the level. Headquarters. Uh, get me Lieutenant McKenzie. <laughs> that was a tough 200 bucks. Yeah, McKenzie speaking. Uh, this is Runyon, Mac. Well, oh, crap. What's on your mind? You happen to know a con named Giles? Giles? Uh, Rusty Giles? Yeah, that's the rabbit. Yeah, he was sprung a couple of days ago. I just wanted to make sure his story was straight. What story? He's been in my apartment for the last two hours. Hold everything, Mac. I'll be right back. I took three steps and reached the window. Then I looked down. The street was empty except for a brand new roaster in front of the door. And a body was lying under the lamppost. It was Giles. And what was left of his face was turned up to the light. I glanced at the clock in the church tower up the block. It was just starting to strike 11. I went back to the phone and McKenzie. Hello, Mac. Yeah, what's happened, Ronnie? Giles just had his palm read. And the gypsy hit it right on the nose. The only thing she forgot to tell him was that his watch was fast. I waited two minutes after Mackenzie hung up and watched the body through my window. I wanted to make sure I wouldn't be set up as target number two. But the street was empty and nothing moved. I checked my gun again and left the apartment. I took the stairs very slowly with my eyes glued on the vestibule door. My caution wasn't wasted. There was someone standing just outside in the vestibule. Looking for someone, huh? Ah, uh, nobody in particular. Guess I got the wrong street. Yeah, I think the house I Just a minute, mister. For a guy who's just walked past the court, you take it pretty calmly. A court? What are you gassing about? Did you have blinders on when you passed that lamppost? What lamppost? Over there. Hey. What's eating you, fat man? The body's gone. Okay, Ronnie, where's Giles? 
Your guess is as good as mine, Mackenzie. What, what are you talking about? His body was under that lamp post 15 minutes ago. Now it's gone. And so is his car. Uh, well, who's this? You ought to know me by now, Lieutenant. The name's Dwayne. Oh, sure, I remember you. Jimmy Dwayne, 10th Avenue, Ward Hill, tough guy. Well, what are you doing here? He's an innocent bystander. I fixed him, Max. He's pretty You got nothing on me. I've been minding my own business. I didn't see nothing. When I didn't hear nothing. Well, now, isn't that nice? That rates you a gold star and a lollipop. You talk real big with a badge in your pocket and a rod in your hand. Listen, that badge saved you from getting your teeth knocked out before this. Take it easy, Mackenzie. You're a cop, not a fight promoter. Uh, Brody! Take this gun to headquarters and hold him for the lineup in the morning. Come on, get moving. Now, way off. I can't walk. Uh, He must know something. It took me three minutes to reach the street from my apartment. That's when they snatched the body. He must have seen. Well, I'll round up the rest of this gang and have them in the lineup in the morning, too. Are uh, you going to be there, Brad? With fouls on. And as long as you're making a collection, Mackenzie, see if you can pick up a dame named Martha. Martha? Well, Martha who? She's a fortune teller. That's pretty good at it, too. I just tell her not to forget her crystal ball. <laughs> Lineup is like a zoological laboratory. With a microscope, the department uses a powerful light, which shines right at their faces as they stand along a stage up front. We can see them, but they can't see us. And the cops don't give any prizes for the $64 question. The first two lugs who were marched in were only vacant a petty larceny rap and an assault and battery charge. But the next two were more to my liking. Okay, who's next, Brody? Polly Nielsen. You know him, Runyon? Sure. Mind if I pump him a little? He's all yours. Bring him in, Brody. This way, big shot. Ah, take that light out of my face. What's the matter, Charlie? Rattle. Never mind a white trick. Satisfy your curiosity and get me out of here. Well, let me see his history, Mackenzie. Thanks. This is a Charlie Nielsen, alias of Squeak, a convicted in 1928 for rum running. His time in San Quentin until 1933. Convicted again in 34 for carrying concealed weapons, Leavenworth until 42. You want to write a book. You know a guy named Rusty Giles, Charlie? Giles? I never had the pleasure of making his acquaintance. You're a liar, Charlie. A cockeyed liar. Giles was one of your mob in 33. You knew him before he did his stretch in Leavenworth. You must have the wrong side. In 1933, I was running a nursery school in Hoboken. You won't get nowhere treating this slob with reason. Mike, let me handle it. Wait a minute, Mackenzie. Get the wine in here. Marty! Bring us the wine! On your feet! All right, all right. What's all them lights for? Turn around! You know what they're for. There's no novelty to you, Jimmy. I won't bother to go over your little doubt here. It'll take me an hour to read it. Oh, you remember, Mr. Mills, I presume? Never saw him before in my life. That's funny. I've been told you two were in partnership. Ah, why, we never even been formally introduced. You're sure you didn't run into each other last night around 11? I was home in bed last night. I was sick. 
Tommy, I... Look, you got nothing on us. I want to see my lawyer. Where's Giles Dwayne? Open up or I'll... You watch me, huh? You know you've got nothing to hold us. Uh, he's right to that. I have him. Where's Martin? Take her up, McKenzie. Brody, you can hold that gypsy. Uh, not yet, Lieutenant. We picked up a thing named Annie Kincaid a few minutes ago. Rusty's girl. Where is she? She's fine, Lieutenant. Now, let me talk to her along, McKenzie. She might get out for me. What are you doing? Running this department? Not yet, but don't put any ideas into my head. Now, let's see you in a couple of minutes. Come on, Brody. Hello, Annie. What a fine bodyguard you turned out to be, Fat Matt. Rusty would have been better off if he stayed away from you. Relax, little... baby, relax. I want cooperation, not an argument. What did they pull me in for? What's the big idea? You just need a little information. We're looking for a palm reader named Martha. You know where she lives? Maybe. Now, look. You know the setup, Annie. Rusty must have told you all about it. But maybe you're not interested in putting a finger on the guy who punched your boyfriend. I'd like to put ten fingers on him. Around his throat. Then give out. Where is Martha? Fourteen uh, Lewis. In the village. She runs a store on the ground floor. That's better. Hey, Brody, tell the lieutenant to hang on to Nielsen the way until he hears from me. Well, I say you went. Tell him I've gone out to get my fortune, though. Are you Martha? Yes. What can I do for you? A couple of friends of mine told me you were pretty good at looking into the future. Martha does not see into the future. She only tells you what she reads in your palm. Place it down. Thanks. All right, then, please. It's all yours. You are a man who likes to live, to eat well. You're doing fine, Martha. I see a blonde young woman coming into your life. Bleached or natural? <laughs> you joke with Martha. You do not believe what she tells you. I'm a little bit of a palm reader myself, Martha. Maybe that's why I'm skeptical. How would you like me to forecast your future? I don't understand. Let's see your hand. What do you... Eh, not so good. No? You're a girl who likes to live. And you've been doing pretty good at it. Up to now. So? But there's something that's cutting off your lifeline over here. It looks to me like a chair. A chair with wires all over it. I see you strapped in that chair, Martha. What are you talking about? Now I see a tall, dark man moving into your life. And he's got his hand on the switch behind your back. Who are you? What do you want? I thought you knew everything, Martha. The name is Runyon. Sometimes I'm called a fat man. A detective? There was a man in here yesterday afternoon, remember? A man by the name of Rusty Giles? No. You're not as good at looking into the past as you are in the future. Rusty Giles was killed last night. And you called it for a minute. I'll come, Marty. I don't know what you are talking about. No. Let's see that palm again. Your lifeline looks even shorter than it did before. That's awesome. How about it, Marty? Do we start trading secrets? Or do I yank you in on a suspicion of murder? No, please. I have nothing to do with it. Why did you forecast Rusty's death? But I was just telling that he's all... Look. You have to get better than that for the police. They'll kill me if I talk. I know they will. If you say the right thing, Marta, they won't even have time to consider it. You... You'll give me protection. All the way. All right. I tell you. There was a tall man. Dark complexion. 
who come in yesterday morning. Was his name Duane? He did not tell me his name. He just showed me a gun. That was enough. He said he was a friend of Rusty Giles. You knew Giles before he was sent up the river, didn't you? Yes. He would come in here at least once a week so I could read the start. What did Duane tell you? He said that Giles had just come back to New York and he would probably come to see me. He told me to tell him that he would die by 11 o'clock unless he came through. Unless he came through? What did he mean by that? He would not tell me, Mr. Barno. He just said Giles would understand. He said it was some kind of joke they were playing. And he gave me no choice about doing what he asked. When Giles came in later, was he alone? No. There was a girl. He called her Annie. He got frightened when he heard what I told him, and he said he was meeting Tom. What else, Martha? I swear that is all. That may not be enough for the police. You promised to protect me. You promised. You've got one more little job to do for me, Martha. How do you rate as a spiritualist? When I go into my trance, I can speak with anyone on the spirit block. Well, don't go into your trance just yet. I've got to issue a few invitations. I'll give you instructions on what to say and how to say it. Instructions? Since when do I need instructions? Since now, Martyr. This particular spirit has to be coaxed into joining the party. And who is it? The ghost of Rusty Giles. We got in touch with Mackenzie, and together we mapped out a plan. At nine that evening, I returned to Martyrs and found that our guests were beginning to arrive. Anybody here yet? The girl is in the little room. Everything all set? Yes, Mr. Ryan. Suppose they come with the guns. They're being driven here in a police car. Don't worry about it. If you play it right, Marty, I might get what I'm looking for. But if you try any tricks, I'll have to start reading that palm of yours again. I will do exactly as you see, Mr. Ryan. Good. Someone is coming in. It looks like the rest of our company. All right, inside, boys. Okay. Well. Look who's here again, Charlie. What goes on? What's the idea of them coppers driving us here and then pushing us inside? Marla's holding a seance, boys. I thought you might like to attend. Have either of you ever met the little lady? Not me. How about you, Duane? Ask her. I never saw him before, Mr. Ronald. See? <laughs> yeah. uh, call Annie and Marla. Uh, sit down, boys. So, over here. And keep those chairs in a circle. What is this? What's a gag? Martha's going to introduce you to an old friend. Oh, fat man. Now, you sit next to me, Annie. Glad oh. you came. You will please hold hands in a circle. And make sure the circle is never broken. Otherwise, the spirits will be angry. This! What the... There is this same not Shut up, Charlie. We will now put out the light. Oh, I'm going to have for Quiet, please, oh, everyone. Quiet. Quiet. What's the matter with her? I call now to the spirit world. Giles, Rusty Giles, where are you? Rusty, my down, Speak to me, Rusty. Speak through my voice. Where are you? Not twice if you hear me call. He is talking now. 
He is saying something to me. He is telling me who his murderers are. It's a fake. You can't get me. It's a fake. Who was it, Rusty? The man who calls himself Joanne? That's a lie. The man who came to see me? I can't hear you, Rusty. What? He was? You've got a little explaining to do before you start pointing any fingers. We tell Rusty all the way to your house. We waited for two hours until he came out. Then we saw Annie here, pull a gun, and all over my house. Look at the body in the car. Charlie did it, yeah, Charlie. I was uh, keeping watch outside to make sure nobody saw him when you found me. Well, we didn't find him, huh? We were just trying to steal him. Uh, uh, yeah, we uh, we knew how he saw that tom reading, Malachi. So we fixed it up with Marta. When he went up the river ten years ago, he stashed away a 200-gram tape he was supposed to flip with it. What did you do with the body, Charlie? Fixed. The chin of wear out near the river. Well, he took it because he figured there might be something on it that would show us where the dough was fixed. So. Sounds like a straight story, McKenzie. Yeah. Well, Annie, how about it? Are you going to sing a little, too? You got enough on me to give me the half piece twice. What else do you want? Why did you do it? What would you do if you waited for a punk ten years, hit him out, and then found out he planned to take a powder on you as soon as he shook a mob that was after his soul? I don't know. I don't... Well, I do. I'll do it again if I had the chance. Now, his door's in a space deposit falls under the name of Cooper. It... If you give me a break, I'll tell you where. You're telling us where, sister, and you're not getting any breaks. I'll do one little thing for you, Annie, just to show my heart in the right place. Yeah? What? I'll put a sign on the door to your apartment. Annie doesn't live here anymore. I spend my life in getting into trouble and getting out of it. But at the same time, I generally manage to get some other people in and out of trouble, too. And now, this is the fat man signing off. So long. Welcome back. Well, it's a closing line like that that makes you realize that the name of the character was chosen entirely for that purpose. And of course, this that's a reference to the hit song originally written by Joe Young, Annie Doesn't Live Here Anymore. And overall, though, a rather interesting conclusion to the Fat Man radio series in Australia. Well, now we do turn to listener comments and feedback. And we have an email here from Mike. Mike writes, I hope you enjoyed your uh, vacation. Love the 
love the podcast. Um, and I'm a little late sending these, but the most recent Johnny Dollar, the Baltimore matter, reminded me of two questions I've had for a while, so I'm finally sending them in. The first one is a general old-time radio one. I noticed on this episode there were times uh, when where the audio was bad, but just for one of the characters while the other in the conversation was clear. I've noticed this a few times in the past, particularly on the Fat Man, where I'd be able to hear Runyon, but not who he was talking to. I would expect, if it was a problem with the transcription disc, all of the audio would be bad. So my question was, in cases like this, uh, was it likely a problem during the actual recording, like a microphone issue, meaning that the original audience also had the same issue? Well, that's a great question, and it's probably helpful to clarify where uh, the recordings that we listen to come from. And there are a number of sources. The best source is what are called first-generation transfers. That means that someone acquires a transcription disc and they digitize it. Uh, In particular, that's really nice if you're dealing with a good quality undamaged disc. Unfortunately, the recordings that we deal with are rarely so pristine. You may be dealing with a situation where a particular recording is actually uh, been passed through several different generations of copying before someone digitized it. It might be that a recording was transferred to tape from the original transcription disc, and what we finally end up hearing is like the fourth uh, generation from that. Uh, You also have cases where people, and I think mostly well-meaning, go in and they try to fix the recordings, uh, you know, after they're digitized, and maybe they clean it up a little bit, but it's not quite a perfect job. Uh, So, you know, there are all of these quality issues when it comes to uh, old-time radio programs. Uh, And so it's really hard to say. I don't think it was this case with the original listeners. I think it's more a case of something in all of the processing and transfers in between the original transcription disc and when it came to us that ultimately led to the problem. And then uh, uh, Mike asked, My second question makes use of the legal knowledge you've been showing off lately. In this episode, someone's wife had knowledge of their illegal activities, but Johnny said she couldn't testify against him even though uh, she seemed very willing. I've heard a similar reference in other shows. I've always thought that the law they were stating was that a wife uh, couldn't uh, be compelled to testify against their husband. Not that they couldn't testify at all. If that was the case, a wife couldn't testify when she was the victim of abuse from her husband. Is there another law being stretched for drama, or has it changed in the years since? 
Well, thanks so much uh, for the question. I, you always got to be careful if you're not a lawyer, showing too much legal knowledge. But looking at legal uh, dictionary from the free dictionary, uh, it's the marital communications privilege. And uh, they do have a couple notes. The privilege cannot, uh, cannot be claimed in certain uh, situations, such as where one spouse is subject to prosecution for crimes committed against the other or against the children of the couple. Uh, and uh, then they say many jurisdictions make the distinction of which spouse holds and may therefore assert the privilege the defendant's spouse or the witness spouse. In these jurisdictions, the spouse who holds the privilege may waive it and testify against the other spouse. So essentially, from what the free dictionary is saying, it depends on which jurisdiction you're in. Because apparently there are some uh, jurisdictions where you can, provided it's not a case where the privilege is waived, you can stop your spouse from testifying against you on the basis that your confidential communications to them were privileged, and others where uh, the spouse holds the privilege and can decide to waive it. So apparently, uh, I guess the best uh, conclusion on that would be to consult with your local attorney for what the law happens to be uh, in the jurisdiction you live in. But thank you so much for the question, Mike. All right, well, now I do also want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to thank Tammy. Tammy's been one of our Patreon supporters since September. Currently supporting us at the shameless level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Tammy. And uh, that will do it for today. If you are listening to this on YouTube, be sure to uh, like the video, to uh, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. But join us back here tomorrow for The Man Called X. Next Tuesday, we'll be presenting a previously uncirculated episode of Nightbeat. Uh, and you can uh, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.